Good morning and welcome to Morning Cup of Wisdom podcast. My name is Antoine Howard and the mission of this podcast is to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Listen, wisdom, truth, and sound doctrine are not taken care of nowadays. A lot of people are submitting to what they want to do, not what God wants to do. But this podcast is built to put itching cream on your ears. There are three ways to support this podcast. The first way, you can pray for me. I need it bad. Second way, you can tell somebody about this podcast. Share it on your social media. Tell it by word of mouth. Whatever you want to do, I appreciate every bit of support. And lastly, you can donate to this podcast. People have given gear. People have given money. And maybe you want to give something too. I'm not all about in. I'm not all about in inflammating myself or, or heightening myself or exalting myself. I don't need that. I don't want that really. What I really want to do is lift Jesus up. So if I could show the character of God by sowing into somebody's ministry or buying groceries for someone or buying school supplies for a kid or donating shoes like I did today, I donated two pair of Jordans. I got a whole row back there that I'm ready to give away because I was blessed with these things and I'm going to give them away because I need other people to know that there's blessings available for them. My heart is not just to give you the word. It is to be ministry to be a minister because that's what God placed in me the calling that he placed in me and I am all about that that's what I'm about you know I talk to you all the time you know I all about giving and sharing all that stuff that's what I'm about so if you want to sow into that cool all that information is listed in the description today we are dealing with something very 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 Ooh, we very needed topic. It's called doubt. Last week, we dealt with faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Or we could go with our definition of faith is the fundamental part of believing in God's ability with the proof and certainty that we can't see beyond our reality. That is our definition of faith. We want to go with that, right? We also have to talk about the other side. Doubt. So today we're going to be dealing with a topic that I really need to hear. And I want to remind you that we are still in this season of sermons to self. That doesn't stop. I'm always going to be preaching to me. And you just get to hear what I'm telling me. So doubt and the topic of doubt is for me. I need to hear this. Because I got some things in my head that I'm doubting. And I need to hear this. So we're going to deal with it. Help us, Lord. Thank you, God, for this moment and opportunity. We love you and appreciate you for everything that you're going to do. I'm praying that you make this moment restorative, Lord. Restore our faith. Restore our motive to strive after you and trust after you, Lord. And I'm praying right now that you help our unbelief by exposing what doubt really is in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. This bottle before I drunk it was about halfway. And when this bottle is half capacity, I want you to envision it as such, right? This bottle, we all see it. We all look at it. We all wonder well 
since this bottle is where it's at, what's going to happen next? Some of us see glass or bottle half full. Some of us see glass or bottle half empty. And I want to ask you, with this bottle, and I know it's a little bit lower than halfway, but this bottle, right? What do you see? Do you see that this bottle is not going to be filled up again? Or do you see that this bottle is going to be filled up again? See, the glass half full mindset is known to show that you have a little bit more optimism than other people, right? The optimism that this bottle is going to be filled again, that there is hope, that there is another round of water coming to it. Whereas the glass have empty perspective is viewed to be more pessimistic, meaning that you are seeing that this bottle is going to be emptied out, that there's nothing going to be put back in it. And I want to tell you that we're seeing the same situation, but everybody views it differently. So your perspective is really what affects how you see different things. Let's make this analogy a little bit more personal. Let's say someone in your family has a terminal disease. Maybe they have stage three cancer. And the doctor said that there is a slim to none chance that this person is going to make it. What do you see? Do you see that your family member is going to make it out in that slim to none chance? Or do you see that your family member is not going to make it and you have to prepare yourself for a funeral? Let me put you in another situation. Maybe you don't have enough money to make it to the grocery store. Bills have snatched your money. Payments have snatched your money. Student loans and car notes and house notes and mortgages have snatched your money. And now you're hungry and your family is too. What do you see? Do you see that there is an opportunity to get food from somewhere do you see that there is a way that could be made right or do you see that y'all just gonna be hungry that y'all gonna have to struggle through this week and scrape out whatever crackers and potato chips you got left in the house and make a meal out of it what do you really see when we're dealing with the topic of faith and doubt they are not really just terms like nouns and verbs these things are perspectives. Faith in doubt is not just something you describe. You know, I have faith for this, you know, because there's an opposition. You know, or I, I, I'm doubting that. No, it's a perspective. It's how you see things. It's that optimism, negative, like pessimism thing. It's a perspective. So. We said in the last episode, opposition is the greatest proposition for faith. Now, I'm going to tell you something new. Opposition is the greatest proposition for doubt. It is the same thing. Right? Opposition is the greatest proposition for faith and doubt. It proposes the opportunity to believe God beyond your reality, or it proposes the opportunity to doubt God and settle with reality. That's what opposition presents. 
Let's take it a little further. Faith is the fundamental part of our trust in God's ability, knowing that we can't see what he's doing, right? Well, doubt is the fundamental part of our lack in trust in God's ability, knowing that we can't see what he's doing. I remember I'm telling you something that I told some friends. Faith and doubt start with the same sentence. Same phrase, same three words. It is this, I don't know. Faith and doubt both start with, I don't know. It is what's after the period or the comma, however you want to grammatically put it together. It is what's after that punctuation that really defines as what you see, Was it whether it's faith or doubt. Let's put it into a scenario. I don't know how I'm going to pay for a car. So I'm going to settle for the fact that I'm not going to get one. Same thing. I don't know how I'm going how I'm going to pay for a car. But I'm believing God to miraculously provide. It is clear to you which one is faith and which one is doubt. Faith is believing in God. Doubt is unbelief. Unbelief is a topic that is rarely talked about in the walk of Jesus. Jesus wasn't the one with unbelief. He was fighting religious leaders who had unbelief. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes were constantly combating Jesus, trying to find a point to where he was blaspheming, trying to find a point where he was wrong in his theology, trying to find a point where they could catch him so they can have a valuable reason to kill him. All because they didn't believe he was him. They did not believe that he was the son of man. They did not believe that he was the son of God. They did not believe that he was who he is. So much so that they claimed that he was filled with demons while he was casting out demons. How does that make sense to go against your kingdom? If you want your kingdom to prevail, why would you go against it? He's not filled with demons, but rather the Holy Spirit. And if you really want to dive deeper into this subject, Jesus says in John 6, way down past the 35th verse, after he says, I am the bread of life. He says, actually, before he says, I'm the bread of life, he says, the will of my father is to believe in the one that he sent. Well, that that seems simple, right? Well, who did he send? Jesus. Here's the proof. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." Here's the next part. For God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. For God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So when we are talking about believing, we're talking about believing in God. But our doubt our doubt is what gets in the way of our trust in him. 
Doubt is defined as to be uncertain about, to call into question of the truth of, to be lacking in confidence in or not trusting in something. An archaic definition even says that fear is a form of doubt. And if faith is all about trusting, doubt is all about lack in trust. When we deal with the topic of trust, it is imperative to talk about the perspective. Trust is really a perspective thing. How you have experienced people and let's say in relationship, how you have watched this person and been with this person and seen how they operate will de- will define how much you trust them. When you see somebody act a certain way, you're going to be like, either you trust them or you don't. When you watch somebody talk a certain way or watch who they hang around or watch how they move and operate, you will start to figure out whether or not you can trust them. Drake said it best. He said, same person that you knew way back then, you acting like it's somebody you don't know. Tell me how the heck we supposed to say stay friends when you got a bunch of feelings that you don't show. What Drake is talking about here is he's dealing with a dilemma within a relationship, a friend, a loved one, a close person. They're showing a bunch of emotions as a facade rather than showing the real feelings that they feel. And when you show a facade, it creates this distrust within person to person because you're showing me something that I don't want to see. I want to see you, not the you that you're trying to be. So Drake is really dealing with a dilemma of can he trust that person because they're not showing what they really want to show, what they really need to show. So this leads me to talk about people. One of the biggest reasons why a lot of people doubt God is because of people. And I'll say this and I'll say it again and I'll say it again and I'll say it again because I heard it for myself and it was refreshing, but it was also convicting. And it's also what everybody needs to hear. Here it is. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on. Get your helmet on. Get whatever water you need. Drink it before you hear this. Brace yourself. Here's the biggest point. You ready? And the point is, people are going to people. I don't think you heard me. People are going to people. What does that mean? When you encounter a human being, Why do you expect anything less than them to act like a human being? When you encounter a person, you have to really be mindful that they are a human, that they have feelings, that they have emotions, that they have things in their head that are going to offend you. And you let the perspective of people affect your perspective of God. This leads me to the biggest point of this people section. How you have encountered people will most likely be the premise of how you see God.
if the people hated me, God must hate me. If the people made fun of me, God will make fun of me. If I have to do a bunch of things that are trying to be, if I have to do a bunch of things to be accepted by a people, that means that I'll have to do the same thing for God. In that perspective, here it is, it's wrong. It's incorrect. It's a flaw. It's a misconception. How you see people is not necessarily how you should see God because God is not people. God is God. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Please excuse the small interruption. Had to contact somebody and I was in a flow, huh? But here we are. So people are really going to people. And when you forget that humans are going to be humans, you miss the mark on your perspective. What has really been heartbreaking lately is that a lot of what people say in their disbelief in God is that a person affected it. Is that when they went into a church, they felt judged. They felt condemned. They felt uneasy and unaccepted. And it is not to say that we're going to affirm everything that you do. But that that should not negate the church and the people inside the church from accepting you as who you are right now. Because in honesty, Jesus accepted us in all of our mess. So why aren't we accepting people into the building with all of theirs? He accepted us when we was drug addicts and swinging around poles and laid out on the street drunk. And he accepted y'all when y'all was hoeing and going around and doing crazy stuff. He accepted all of you when you was loitering money and stealing from people. He accepted all of you. And why won't you accepting the other people that are in the same mess that you were? We all have sinned and fallen short. So what gives you the right to point your finger at someone else and you don't even point at yourself? And a lot of people say that church people are hypocritical meaning that they'll point their finger at somebody else more than they'll acknowledge that plank in their own eye. And Jesus calls folk hypocrites. Hello, are we not aware that Jesus in Matthew 7 literally calls us and other people hypocrites because we point at others more than we point ourselves? And the judgment and the con condemnation and the constant need to be approved or accepted. That constant pressure on a person, when you put that on a person or a person has put that on you, you ultimately feel like either I need to hide from this person or be validated by this person. That I'm constantly doing things for acceptance and people pleasing and trying to be like someone else. And that ultimately affects your relationship on how you see God. I felt like I was supposed to work on every part of my sin and prove myself to God that I could do it. And God had to say, hey, hold on, brother. By you not giving your sin to me makes the cross not worth anything. 
makes the grace that I have available to you vain. You need to give your sin to Jesus and he will clean it through his blood. And that ripped me apart because for most of my walk with Christ, I was really trying to prove myself to him because I felt this unnecessary pressure to be accepted because of how I encounter people. And maybe your perspective of God has been tampered with because you may have experienced something called legalism where people try to add extra rules on top of rules and make everything ritualism and rule following where they tell you that wear a certain thing act a certain way, talk a certain way, walk a certain way, and you not figure that out for yourself, but they make you do it. You know what that does? That makes people cultured. It doesn't make people Christ-like. Because anybody can walk the walk, talk the talk, act how the people act, and still live in sin. There are people that can dress up in the three-piece suits, ties, tie pins, tie bars, Cufflinks and tailored pants with jackets and vests, all the things, and still living in sin. There are people that can dress up in the most beautiful gown, the most beautiful dress, the most modest of modest clothing, and still be living in sin. Because when you make people adjust to a culture but not live like Christ, You have just put the power of growth and the eyes of God in your eyes. You have just put watching over someone in your eyes. So the reason why a lot of people can come to church every week and live how they live outside of church is because they think that they have to prove themselves to the people. I find it funny that someone can legitimately get drunk all throughout the week or, or on the weekend and then come to church dressed up, fully dressed. Because as long as they don't see me, I'm good. Or they can go around sleeping with everybody in the choir stand. As long as they don't see me, I'm good. Or they can have these addictions and things are going on in in their life where they aren't controlled of themselves. But as long as they don't see me, I'm good. I've dealt with that. I've been that person too. And I'm telling you, the validation that you need is not from them. You are. Thank you, Lord. Adam was called out by God. Where are you? Not asking you a location, partner, you're in Eden. We know where you at. Where are you in your relationship? Are you hiding? You're hiding from people, but God can still see you. That is the effect of people pointing people out and calling them out for this. I'm not saying that you can't hold somebody accountable. 
because that's a great part of a relationship. My my brother and young adult pastor says a great thing to all of us at church. He says, accountability is a tool of love. You can't hold somebody accountable. Ain't no love in there. And that's powerful. People can really affect your relationship with God. People can affect your perspective of God. But what else affects your perspective with God is the necessity of proof. When you need evidence that something is going to happen, proof that something is going to come to pass, certainty, when you want that certainty that something is definitely going to be what it is, it drives you insane. I want to talk about something that is not really talked about in this manner. It's called anxiety. Anxiety is when you want to know something and you don't have access to that knowledge. Then you begin to worry about not having access to that knowledge. Then you start to create situations and circumstances, scenarios in your head about what you don't have access to. And then you begin to worry about that that you created in your head. All because you don't have access to the knowledge that you want. That's anxiety. It's worrying about what you can't see. It's literally worrying about what you can't see. What you don't know. What you don't have access to. And that's what really pushes people to fear. We don't talk about fear as a product of anxious thoughts. Sometimes our brain can skip straight to fear. I'm scared. I'm shaking. I'm. That's how we feel about certain situations. God help me. And what I really knew, what I really learned from God is how to give him the unknown. When you start to create what ifs in your head, you want, you subconsciously want control over what you don't know. You feel like if the situation isn't in your hands or the proof and certainty isn't in your access, that the the thing that you're worried about is going to go south. It's going to go something is going to go into something that it shouldn't be turn into something that you don't want it to be all because you have this question of what if. It ends up being a loop cycle of worry and stress. But what I learned is how to give God the unknown. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, comma, the evidence of things not seen. Everything before the comma is for me. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the fundamental nature of my trust in God's ability. That's my part. The proof and certainty that I can't see beyond reality is his. Meaning that everything that I don't know, I can't see, I don't have in my everything that I don't have in my access, in my immediate access is not my worry. It is his. I remember God speaking through me one day and he said to the person, God is in tomorrow, so I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'm not worried about the future because God's already there. I'm not worried about tomorrow because he's already there. I'm not worried about the next moment because he's already there. God is already where you're worried about. He's already there. And if you believe in him, he's already working it out. It is not something that you, it's not time-based. You have to realize that God works in eternity, not time. He's not structured within our time frame. We start here, we end here. That is not how God works. God been there before the beginning and he'll be there after the end. He's already where you're worried about. So why do you worry? What control do you want? What power do you think you feel when you don't, when you, when you have that knowledge, what power do you feel like you need, right? If the power really does belong to God, why are you worried? God takes care of the unknown. You don't have to worry because God's already there. I'm going to continue on in this topic because Proof has been needed in the Bible. Thomas wanted proof. The reason why we call him Doubting Thomas is because he wanted proof. The disciples had met Jesus after the resurrection. They said, hey, bro, that's Jesus for real. We touched his hand. We touched his side. He was here. We were talking with him. Like he was, we, you know, chopping it up, talking about you know what we supposed to do how we supposed to live what we supposed to think all that stuff we was chopping it up tommy you gotta know man we was there man i ain't believing that till i see him for myself i gotta put my hand where his hands was nailed at in my hand in the side because that's how i know he he was here that's how i know he was resurrected but man, but man, like you gotta believe it, dog. Cause he was here. All 13, 12 of us was with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Peter was there, uh, Andrew was there, huh? You know, all of us were there. So why are you down, dog? I gotta see it for myself. Then Jesus came the next week. And the first thing he said, Thomas, touch my hand. Touch my side. And then he says something that blows me away. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. When we, when we believe before we see, huh? When you believe before you see, that's how you're going to be blessed. 
because you don't depend on what you see in order to believe. The other reason why we may doubt God is because of independence. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-C. You know, I spelled that all the way wrong, but you know exactly what song I'm talking about. The reason many people doubt is because their lack of an understanding of dependency. When you believe in God, you have to depend on God. This is a total contradiction to society and culture. Society and culture tells us that we have to be self-sufficient. That we have to get everything on our own. That we have to make it happen on our own. Society and culture tells us that we have to be self-made. That we have to do it ourselves. Build it up ourselves. Make it ourselves. The society talks to us about being independent. Meaning that you have to make your own money. You have to get your own house. You have to get your own car. Do it by yourself. Work your silence. Make it happen by yourself. You do it by yourself. And most of us have submitted to the ideology that if we do it by ourselves, that there's more power in that. The culture has also talked about the anti-socialness, right? We believe that we don't need people. I watched a TV show today with my parents and my grandma. We were, they were talking about being neighborly. What happened to neighborhoods? What happened to the fact that I could go over so-and-so's house and have a drink of lemonade with them and sit with them on their porch and I not get shot? What happened to the fact that I could walk down to somebody else's house, knock on their door, say, hey, can I come in and get a plate? And they give me a plate. What happened to the, the community of people? We there. I'm not saying that it's not happening, but I'm saying that it's not common. There was more community and now the world is feeling like they have to segregate themselves. It's funny how we fought for so much integration and we yet end up segregated. How is it that we fought for so much togetherness and we end up separating ourselves anyway? Because people think that they need to do it themselves, that they need to be by themselves, that they need to negate a relationship with a person because of this perspective that people are going to hold you back. Because people are going to set you back or make you feel some type of way. That's toxic. And it's coming from a person that believed it. I'm not telling you this out of... Just telling it to tell you, huh? I'm telling you because I used to believe it. I used to believe that I was better alone, that I didn't need friends, that I didn't need a relationship. I was best friends with my father, my dad, who's probably sitting upstairs listening to me now. I was best friends with him for most of my life because I was under the, under the impression that I didn't need people. I just had one person at a time. I really had one friend at a time. I had one friend for this season. 
then we weren't friends that much. Then I had another friend. Then we weren't friends that much. Then we had another friend. All because my perspective of people was sh shaken. Being picked on messes with your brain, especially when you're not secure in who you are. And then you start to strive for all this validation and attention and all this crazy stuff. I really thought I could do everything on my own. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself. I thought I could do every project on my own. Ask any person that was around me in middle school. I did all my projects by myself because I didn't trust people. I did four-person projects by myself and aced them because I didn't trust people. I forced myself to do things by myself. I'm making this podcast by myself. I make music by myself. Because of this mindset, oh Lord, I'm talking to me now, that you don't need people. How do you think you gonna make it without people? To negate the help of others is to say that you have all the power in yourself to do it yourself. To claim to be self-made is to neglect that no one ever helped you to get to where you are. To strive for self-sufficiency is to go against human nature. You need stuff. You can't survive on your own. And if God called you to do things, he never called you to do it by yourself. Moses in Exodus 3 reluctant five times. All because he thought it was just him. And we're going to deal with that in the next series of videos. Ooh, Shut up, Antoine. Don't talk too much about it because I'll start going there right now. Moses dealt with a lot of reluctancy because he felt like he was alone. That he had to do it by himself. Gideon thought he had to do it by himself. He told God, I'm the weakest of the weak. But God is not showing you all these things and calling you to do all these great things and these crazy things for you to do it alone. God is calling you to do his will with him. You are not alone. Oh Lord. God is with you. And the last and final thing we're going to deal with in the reason for someone doubting, the reason why we doubt, is opposition. Let's dive into this story. The woman with the issue of blood, specifically in Mark 5. I love that version because it goes into detail about her situation. The woman with the issue of blood who doesn't have a name and don't believe that her name is Victoria because that's another thing. The woman with the issue of blood, she had an ongoing menstrual cycle for 12 years straight. Cramps, pain, blood flow, no help. Her situation was so bad to the point to where she could not get help from any doctor. She could got she spent all her money on every doctor and they still couldn't help her. She used all of her resources to try to get medicated. 
And we dealt with this in the first episode. Tylenol doesn't heal. She used all of this to to get help, and she couldn't couldn't get healed. And plus, dealing with the agony of social um, social embarrassment. When you were unclean like that, you view like you got a demon. And it was as if you were cursed. So no one wanted to be around you. So now she's alone, no hope, no way out, not getting better. What do you see? God, you putting this thing together. What do you see? Do you see a way out? Or do you see a way down? You putting this thing together, God. Come on now. Do you see that there is a chance that she could be healed? Or do you see death? Do you see end? Like, I don't want to be on earth anymore. Do you see that? Well, then she hears about Jesus. This, ooh, that's powerful. Then she hears about Jesus. We don't deal with the testimonial part of hearing about Jesus. Like we, oh Lord, we used to have testimony service. And do I long to be in another testimony service? Because God has done so many miraculous things in my life that I plan on sharing on here. He's done so many good things in my life. He's done so many great things in my life. And to just hear about him. There were two blind men, a paralytic, the woman with the issue of blood, the centurion man that needed his servant healed. All these people heard. They heard about Jesus. And I want to tell you, uh uh-oh, come on, Lord, let's do it. God is a way maker. God is a miracle worker. God is a promise keeper. God is a light in the darkness. Even when you don't see what you're supposed to see, it's he's working. He's working for your good. He's working for your good. God is working out your situation. God is working on that car. God is working on that house. God is working on that financial improvement. God is working on that family member that isn't saved. God is working on that person that isn't in the right mind. God is working on that relationship that you don't believe in anymore. God is working on that mindset that you don't want to get rid of. God is working on things that you cannot see. God is working. God is working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't believe it, he's working. He's working for your good. He's working for your good. And God is a miracle worker. That means that he can do things that is beyond your ability. He could do things that is beyond what you understand. And when you believe and trust that Jesus Christ is Lord, he can save your life. He can save you from sin. He can save you from iniquity. He can save you from walking in the path of unrighteousness. He can save you from walking in the path of darkness. He can save you because God is a saving God. Believing in Jesus has saved me. I don't have to walk in loneliness anymore. 
I don't have to be addicted to things anymore. I don't have to struggle with social anxiety anymore. I don't have to struggle with low self-esteem and low self-confidence and addictions to validation and addictions to affirmation and addictions to attention and addictions to lust and addictions to things that aren't godly. I don't have to suffer in that anymore because Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in my life. Now that you have heard, you have access. Doubt affects your trust in God's ability. But I want to tell you that God is not a person. He is the father. He is a person, but he's not people. Oh, Lord. God is a person. He's not people because people will hurt you. But the person of God won't. God won't harm you. And if harm comes your way is to teach you. And through that teaching, you're going to be able to help someone else. Help me, Lord. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it is a walk. It is not a run. It is not a swim. It is not. No, it's a walk. And heck, it's sometimes a hike. But when you give your life to Jesus And when you walk with him and when you talk with him, he'll help you in your life more than you'll ever know. He'll walk with you. He'll rock you to sleep at night. He'll give you peace in your mind. When you're overwhelmed, he can help you remember things that he has done for you. And when you're not trusting in God enough, he can remind you of what he's done so far. There's so much power in believing in Jesus and you have access to it all. People don't define God's love. God's love defines people. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. And if those people don't love, they don't know God. So people are already out of the question for why you should doubt. And when you have the necessity of proof, when you need to know everything, it is going to make you anxious. So when you give the unknown to God and let him worry about it, trust that. Just take one time to trust that. Just take one time. Take a risk. Go on the car lot with the money that you have and go to the man and say you need a car. And when you tell that man you need a car, God is going to come with provision that you wouldn't even expect it. Jesus gave, Jesus was given two fish and five loaves of bread. He thanked God and then multiplied it. God can, oh Lord, the little that you have, God can work with it. God can work with the little that you have. I'm going on a tangent for a specific reason. God can work with the little that you have. You may view it as insufficiency, but God views it as the next miracle. Jesus worked with two fish and five loaves of bread. Why are you worried about the little money that you have? Why are you worried about the little word that you have? Why are you worried about the little lights and camera that you have? God is going to make a bigger impact with the little that you have than you having everything you need because it's going to improve your faith and trigger somebody else's. The fact that you feel like you need to do everything on your own is stopping you from believing in God. God called you to greater 
God called you to more. God called you to preaching, evangelizing, teaching, and love on people and help people and do whatever you're supposed to do. But you feel like you have to do it alone. God did not call you to do it alone. And here's the crazy part. Oh, Lord, this was I had a great conversation. You know who I'm talking about. When you watch this, you know who exactly. I had a great conversation. What was it yesterday? A guy told me, shout out, Kurt. He said, God called you. There is a need everywhere, but God didn't call you to be everywhere. And what I'm going to add on to that is that God did not call you to do it by yourself. He called you to do it with him. He's going with you. He's going with you. If God called you to go somewhere, he's going with you. He's going to walk with you and guide you and lead you in the right direction. But here's the crazy part. As he goes with you, he's already there. So you don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you get there because he's already there as he goes with you. Your opposition is the greatest proposition for you to believe in God. You do not have to trust that that opposition is going to go south. But you can believe God for beyond what it is. If that family member is on that bed and it is close to death, you can believe in God for a miracle. And watch God turn it around. There were some people I prayed for at work. Some older ladies were going to get tests. And they thought that test was going to be fatal. And I said, let me pray for you. They were like, all right. And they came back the next time. And they was like, wait a minute. You're that young man that prayed for me. My test came back perfect. They thought they were going to have a fatal disease, but the test came back. There was another lady, and she's basically my best friend now that comes into the store. Every time we see each other, she waves her hand real high. Older lady. She had fell and broke her back in multiple places. Her legs shouldn't be working right now. And I said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And the next time I seen her, she was walking fast. And I'm not talking about like young people fast. Come on now. I'm talking about 80, 90 year old scooting fast. Like, And I'm like, she moving kind of quick. I said, how you feeling? Better. That's what she told me. Because I had faith that she was going to make it. You know, I could have let my sorrow and my depression lead me to death. But I believed in God. I could have let my monetary circumstance lead me to not believe in God. But I'm believing in God. I'm believing in God. I believe in God because I know what he can do. I told you what he can do. Now it's up to you to believe. So just like last week, I'm going to ask you a question. 
When will you believe? Today's question is, why don't you believe? You have the opportunity. Jesus Christ died for your sins. When he came to the world, he did not come to condemn the world to save the world through him. You have a lot of stuff going on. You need Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Takes three questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Yes or no? Do you believe in do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead for your sins? Yes or no? Do you want the power of the Holy Ghost? Yes or no? If you answered yes to all three, Congratulations, 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 congratulations. You just got saved. And as you walk with Jesus, he's going to lead you where you need to be. And you will learn the love of Jesus through having a relationship with him. It is not a building, but it's him. And he's going to send you to people. And those people are going to love you. So I'm thankful that you made that decision. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this moment and opportunity to worship you, to honor you, to lift you up, to magnify your name, to draw all people unto you. Father, I'm praying right now that you cover the people that just got saved, cover the people that just got delivered and set free from the things that they are going through. I'm asking that, Lord, that you heal us from our perspectives the things that make us doubt lord are getting in the way of our relationship with you but we trust that you're going to help us lord we trust that you're going to deal with the unseen the unknown the unheard lord i'm praying lord that the things that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and whatever hasn't entered into the hearts of man lord i'm praying that the plans that you have lord will come to pass and i'm praying right now that you guide us in our lives to depend on you and trust in you even more in jesus name amen well i thank you for watching another episode and listening to another episode of morning cup of wisdom as always you can support by praying sharing and donating please 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 take good care of yourself and as always have a good morning